that's where my mind is. Yeah, totally. I mean, that's my my thinking is in the same place as in I'm thinking over the long term. How do I how do I keep my energy mm-hmm. and just my free time and my freedom because I know what is meaningful to me and I know what makes me happy and you know like I want to it's like the infinite game the mm-hmm. game is to stay in the game and that's what I'm thinking about like okay I don't want to become a wage slave like what does that mean and it, you're I don't know when you're st- when you start thinking about this like I'm trying to optimize for my energy and my freedom mm-hmm. and my space when you're thinking about that you end up falling in this weird in-between space where it's like you're pursuing financial freedom in a sense, but you're not trying to run the rat race, maybe like all the people that are just trying to get rich, for example. Yeah. Like that's a whole that's a whole community or genre. I, I don't know, of like of media and of content and of mindsets and of culture, of just people like trying to hustle and trying to get rich. Mm-hmm. Some of it's about money or like if and the technology side, the more Silicon Valley side you know it's about the technology and it's about making cool products that's what they say but also that's kind of a money game that's kind of like they're they're trying to create a big product that can they can leverage they can leverage digitally and like multiply and sell to the world and yeah so like that's you know that's one side of it and then you know maybe the other side is like i'm just trying to be secure i'm just trying to have a solid job and Mm -hmm you know keep my netflix account and all of that yeah and that's more of like the wage slave side Mm -hmm. and that scares that scares the hell out of me that scares me too yeah and so it's like okay i'm trying to move towards like getting my freedom but it's not that i i'm not going to give up my life just to make money so that what so i mean yeah like we're we're trying to find some weird niche some weird crack where we can have enough time and space yeah kind of keep on pursuing our our interests i think maybe a lot a lot more people have that mindset now than they used to yeah especially just seeing how fragile everything really actually is in this country alone like just all the like establishments that have been made and all the i don't know things that you grew up thinking were super legit turned out to not be as legit as we thought at least in my perspective yeah Everything from, like, parenthood to, like, (laughs) economics and, like, I don't know, you name it, I guess. Yeah. No, I mean, we were, when you're a kid, you really respect authority or you look up to the adults, you look up to your parents. And you, I mean, if you're healthy, you develop a kind of trust. Yeah. You, You trust the your parents you trust the household you live in you trust kind of the world that you live in and as you get older you kind of realize where your parents are going wrong mm-hmm. uh or where they're like kind of ignorant or blind yeah. and where maybe your teachers or maybe your church leaders or whatever and like you kind of as you get older you start seeing more and more examples of people kind of being full of themselves or full of yeah. shit. Yeah. And then by the time you get to where we are, you're our age, you're just like, I feel like I'm seeing the whole world as a fragile, I'm seeing the whole world as this big Titanic and there's no one at the helm. Yeah. 
like a bunch of people are telling me at the hel- they're at the helm or they're telling me like oh the way that I see the ship and what should happen on the ship is is the right way and, yeah. and clearly I'm going to be the one to but like no one's no one's doing no one's really steering the ship yeah and and what happens especially when, in 2020 that's what we've realized yeah and what even happens when those people are quote unquote right or at the helm like it never really feels I don't know I find more comfort sometimes knowing that the world's just kind of full of shit because then it just allows you to like i don't know traverse it kind of like what you're saying with like finding cracks in it you know then you can just like implement things that you see missing as a person into those cracks yeah and maybe that's like the secret to trying to be i don't know a better individual maybe i don't know yeah, I mean, maybe not a better individual, but just like progressing as a person. And in turn, if you progress as a person, then that's progression just towards humanity in a way. That's how I see it. Yeah, totally. I, I mean, I see it the same way. And I've, I've said, I maybe said this on here, but like, I think that one of the, one of the most ideal worlds we could live in is one where each, individual or every individual has an opportunity to pursue their genuine interests Mm -hmm. and to kind of like you said you're you see something wrong with the world or something that could be different Mm -hmm. and maybe you're the only one that sees it maybe you're the only one who will make make something that will change that and like so therefore you are the exact person that should do that and as a human for the sake of the human race i want each person to find that thing that they are uniquely set up to do and to do it yeah. for my sake, selfishly, you know, yeah. and let alone that it's also what, what f- is shown to kind of fulfill people. Yeah, um, definitely. Pretty holistically, but you know, these are, these are fan- like fantastic ideas and we don't, we live in a super flawed world. And so, yeah, I mean, our fucking government just now was talking about, how i don't know if like trump does it admit that he lost that the republic won't be like as legit as it was before or something that might just be (laughs) the republic's not as legit as it was before (laughs) already all of that i mean i and i don't even know too much to even get into it so i'm gonna refrain from bringing it up as a topic but i just more so meant like it is funny to just see how quickly it can crumble because people just don't agree yeah and i think it's really sad but i also think it's a product of everyone being the age of dinosaurs you know that are like involved in our politics like they're just so old yeah that it i don't know if you're if i was old i would i I wouldn't want to be a politician anymore i don't don't understand that i don't understand why i mean if it's if it's all you know like if your whole career has been has been a sum of like playing this social game. That's true. Because that's what it is. It's a social tribal hierarchy game where you're like seeking favor with certain members and trying to just keep favor and keep your seat, basically. And keep, so you're trying to keep things in a certain stasis where your job is protected. And so, you know, when it comes to politics, which I don't want to get into because it's boring, but it seems like it falls between either you think people are thinking short term 
for their reelection. Mm-hmm. They're thinking in a four-year time frame. Or if you're someone that can have one of those cozy seats where you can sit for decades and rot <laughs> on the Congress floor, then you're just trying to keep the party, keep the... Yeah. Just keep everything in stasis, like keep your cozy seat, stay in good favor, not yeah. shake the boat too much. And like that's not – those things are totally separate from – those are totally separate games from the game of trying to lead a country or trying to keep a country afloat, trying to keep the world afloat. Mm-hmm. Um, and yeah, I mean I think – I'm an optimist. I think those people are going to be swept away, and I think that long-term – long-term thinkers are going to win out yeah um we're definitely in a pivotal moment right now as just human beings like with everything you know like politics technology internet money it's it's gonna be a weird 10 years i think i mean it's already been a weird year and i've i'm almost tired of people being like yeah man it's just been a weird year like i'm kind of overhearing that like, <laughs> yeah. i'm like yeah we fucking get it but <laughs> it is gonna be i think a really strange like 10 years from now like a lot of things are gonna change yeah and 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 yeah see that's the that's the thing is people are saying like well it's been it's been a weird year can't wait for it to come back you know <laughs> yeah. around and it's like brother we just turned a corner yeah. as a civilization yeah, and now we are that cor- that place we were before is gone. Yeah, we are now strolling in a new neighborhood, and yeah. it is all uncertain. Yeah, and <laughs> and like that's. But I it, wonder if people felt that in the seventies and eighties and nineties, you know. Yeah, or I, the forties especially, like things like the, the depression and like I don't know. I was thinking about that the other day too, where I was like thinking we were kind of the first you know people to experience a pivotal moment but i was like no that's been the past hundred years yeah like exponentially like with technology and yeah and to some degree almost every generation has a moment where they feel truly that they're in a unique position mm-hmm. that no one's no one's ever been there before and it's weird because it's like this is a pattern that repeats but it's also it doesn't take away from the truth of it mm-hmm Meaning that we are definitely in a unique position that no one else has been <laughs> in this world before. And like, okay, that is true. But also, it is true that we've been in these types of situations before many times as a species and that we've overcome it. Mm-hmm. And so like both of those have to be brought into consideration, which people either try and bring in one or the other, like the doom and the gloom or the hope. And really it's both. Um, but I mean, yeah, like the things are, things are different. Things are changing. I mean, this kind of brings us into our topic and how one of the ways that I wanted to set it up for our thinking about it is like we've progressed in a lot in the world of bits, but not in the world of atoms. Hmm. And so this, this is an idea. This isn't my idea. Uh, as much like I've learned this a lot from Peter Thiel um, and Eric Weinstein but just this idea that like yeah we've we have how how Peter Thiel puts it he's like imagine the Star Trek universe like all the technology that's there you've got the warp drives and portals transports Mm -hmm. and like all of 
like all the scarcity problems have been solved in the Star Trek universe. There's no hunger, mm-hmm. anything like that. And so like, okay, you have the Star Trek universe. We're a civilization that all we have is the computer from Star Trek. <laughs> like all we have is that master artificial intelligence yeah. computer and none of the other technology. And so that puts us in this weird place where in a way we've kind of, even in the 40s and the 50s, we kind of saw what the future could look like. Mm-hmm. Alan Turing talked about artificial intelligence in the 40s and people wrote books about robots and and virtual realities and all these things in the 50s and 60s. So there's a sense that like, okay, we know where we're going. Mm. But they also wrote about flying cars and they wrote about, you know, having space stations and a base on the moon. Yeah. They wrote about just innovations in the world of atoms that kind of, in a balanced way, lift up humanity. Mm. But we're in, the, we're in this place where, yeah, we've, we've made a ton of innovation in the world of bits and it's continuing. And then when it comes to the world of atoms, we're basically stuck. Yeah. And not completely stuck in every regard, but like in physics, we're stuck. Mm-hmm. Um, and like particle physics, we're stuck. In chemistry, we're pretty stuck. Like biology is kind of making some, some innovation, but just in a lot of ways, we're stuck in the world of atoms and we're progressing faster and faster in the world of bits. Sometimes I I struggle with like the argument that some scientists want to keep keep things stuck, like certain innovations, like keep them at bay. Yeah, I don't know if that's I don't know enough of, on that topic to really like start spouting knowledge, but I often wonder if that's even like why would a scientist want to you know hold back new discoveries but ego is a very real thing so i mean maybe it's more historians and like uh archaeologists that maybe do that just to stay i don't know right quote unquote you know what i'm saying yeah i mean but i don't know if that goes the other way like for the future i think when it comes to real scientific discoveries or technological innovations I don't think those things can be hidden very easily. And the reason why is because it's so rare for one scientist or one group of scientists in a specific area to have such a such a lead that they can uncover an innovation and keep it secret without fearing that someone else is going to discover it within a few months. Mm. So usually, like, people people across nations are kind of, like, they're always, I, I, I don't know, like, catching up to each other. Yeah. And even if you think about the space race, like, what happened? We just watched Russia launch uh, was the Sputnik into orbit, mm-hmm. and we were like, oh, shit. <laughs> and we were, even though we, even though they had a lead on us, and they were taking advantage of it, we still caught up to them and kind of superseded them and that and so yeah it's kind of hard to to think of how and this is the thing with with ideas is that once they're unleashed you can't stop them you can't contain them mm-hmm. and this is why ideas and, and technologies like bitcoin are so powerful because as long as the idea is out there and the network is running then it's like that is just going to eat away at 
our previous story about what money is, which is paper given out by the government. Yeah. And and yeah, so I I don't know, like I think people want to make these innovations. Mm-hmm. And and most of the innovations in history of or or not in history in our country in our country in the US have come from private companies, mm-hmm. a lot of them. And like the government's just taken advantage of that. Yeah. Like the government's just created this space where the free market can kind of do its things and then they get to take all the cool technologies that these companies made. Yeah. And weaponize them. And so I don't know, but with where we are, I, there's definitely hidden technologies, but they're not hiding flying cars from us. They're not hiding abundant, you know, 3D printed food or you know, these saying, some spike and stuff. <sighs> yeah. The, the microwave i don't just, i don't remember they would put just like a card in the microwave and then press a button and it would be like it was a mcdonald it was like a big mac and like fries what yeah <laughs> like dang some spy gear that's messed up man the spy kids they kept that from humanity because yeah. stopped world hunger yeah <laughs> wow dude well, i haven't thought about spy i think kids that was well time. i think that was the pre- uh, the premise of the movie was that the parents kept it from the kids yeah and then they like were oh and then their parents were captured yeah. by F- mr floop himself <laughs> and then they were like shit we gotta go save them and then they learned all their cool yeah spy stuff spy gets two is better oh were, were you disappointed anyone. after that when you when you like watch that movie and you looked at your parents and you're like no, it's not me. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, a little bit. I'm just a normal kid. <laughs> yeah. Fuck. Y'all aren't y'all ain't gonna be abducted by thumb thumbs. So yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I remember being scared though of that movie when I was a kid. Now I wa- I tried to watch it as an adult and even smoking marijuana I could not get through it. <laughs> Wait, did you watch uh three D? No. That's the <laughs> No. Maybe that's where I messed up. I did see the three yeah. D one. But yeah. I haven't watched it in a long time. There's just like a... Ra- I remember vividly a random part. Uh, what's his name? Dude who played Frodo. Oh. He's in it for like... The he's like a robot in boss the last, like guy. He's like some... I don't know. Yeah, he's some some character in it. It was just funny. That's it's amazing. funny to think about that. But I mean, hey, that kind of does wrap us oddly into the topic because it's a virtual reality video game yeah and that's kind of what did we even mention that that's what we were gonna be talking about i don't think so okay no yeah so video games and virtual reality basically yeah Yeah. i don't did you have any premise that you wanted to start with it shit i mean yeah basically what i said just that kind of the the mental model is for me is that this our future our future visions with in the world of bits in the world of computers and virtual reality and artificial intelligence a lot of these things seem to be happening Mm -hmm. they like we're making tangible progress each year and it's progress that you can kind of map and so that's like that seems to be happening and then yeah when you look at the progress on these certain things like uh nuclear fusion that's another one in the world of atoms like don't seem to be anywhere close to that um and okay and another another little little thing with this if you haven't heard of moore's law before if you heard of moore's law no m-o-o-r-e like moore he was he was a 
wasn't a scientist. He worked, he was a computer scientist, and I think he worked at like Intel or something back in the day, but okay. Moore's Law is just this observation that every, about every 18 months, the computing power or the number of transistors on a circuit doubles. Hmm. And so, yeah, this just means that Moore's Law has been that every kind of two years or 18 months since it has been observed in the 80s, computing power has doubled. Wow. And you think about that's an exponential track. Yeah, that's a lot. And so, and we're still on it. We Mm -hmm. still seem to be on it. And each, and we're on it to where when you're in an exponential, you know, you're, you're taking steps, baby steps, baby steps, baby steps, baby steps, bigger steps, bigger steps. And then you get to that curve where each next step is such a huge leap. Mm. It's like double or triple what the last step was uh, in, in the impact. And we're getting close to that curve in the exponential with computing power. And so a lot of these sci-fi ideas, especially when it comes to virtual worlds, in video games, uh, what we call them today, mm-hmm. I, I think we're going to be seeing them unfold <clears throat> over the next decade, over the next two decades. Just more elaborate and like more, um, like unfold as just in the capability or like the graphics or something. Because like it, it really everything, every every aspect. every everything at once. Yeah, I'm honestly not that too impressed or even think it's necessary with the whole graphics thing personally impressed like you're not impressed with modern graphics no i mean maybe it's because i'm not a console gamer like and i have a a budget (laughs) oh you have a budget pc (laughs) so yeah, yeah like i mean it's never really been a huge deal that i can't see like the pores in someone's skin or something yeah but at the same time, I'm more just impressed with different mechanics and like games within games and um, like con- game game worlds writing, yeah, and the world and the concept, how the world like exists like by itself. I don't know. Yeah, Destiny Two is a cool game that um, I know we recently kind of talked about. Yeah, playing that. Uh, uh, it's just basically combining shooters and a game like WoW. You do raids with friends. You like dungeon dive, mm-hmm. but it's very community driven. Yeah, and I'm wondering if that will be a more common thing because I mean, that's probably how they're gonna make money and keep going is making everything just way more community driven. But then at what point are you spending, you know, this amount of time in that game and not in the real world? Like, are we going to get to a point, especially with VR that we're spending more time with bits, like you said, and less with atoms? Mm -hmm. Like, is that, is that, I, I often wonder, is that a reality or is that just like a, a movie concept, you know, of like, oh, humanity's now sucked into games so much that they're like literally not leaving their house because of it. Because why would you want to? You could fly in the Grand Canyon in a VR game or you could mm-hmm. like go in a haunted house and like play a horror game and really get scared because you're like actually there. Like, yeah, you feel like you are, you know, like, 
I, I often wonder if there's ever going to actually be a dystopian, almost like, I don't know. I, like, you're, you're kind of getting at right where my thinking has been lately. And this isn't, this doesn't fully cover a vision of a world with, with better and better virtual realities. This isn't the only aspect of it, but just one of them is that I think that the incentives to not live your life and to rather focus your energy and time and effort on living your digital life, like those incentives are like the scale is going to be switching extremely fast. So you've got a game like Destiny 2 where that game is like, it's acting as, it's, it's, it's a game, it's acting as your fun, it's an RPG, it's acting as your progression, your sense of accomplishment, of reward, yeah. and it's the social aspect. So now your friends are there. Yeah. And so when more and more of our interactions and rewards and friends and fun and everything that we want in life the more and more that that's contained in these digital spaces, the more the incentives will be to kind of live that life. And your brain, your brain itself will just, it, it won't help, but put more and more coin on that world, more and more yeah. weight on that world because that world will become more real. Well, nowadays you're putting even like real money into it. Yeah. Because there'll be like a cool skin or a cool... Destiny well, 2 people is, make real money yeah, doing it too. Yeah, yeah, exactly. Like plenty of people. Yeah, yeah. I mean, Scotty yeah. did that and does that with like... Like he did it in-game. RuneScape. Like it was RuneScape yeah. and yeah, yeah, as a streamer. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. and... And um, and other games. He's, he's, a, he's a whiz at eat, like money. <laughs> yeah. Like, and moving money <laughs> and like, I don't know. Yeah, that's a whole nother topic. Yeah, but. definitely. <laughs> I mean... Yeah, like Scotty is a perfect example. Like there's there's a bunch of people who I mean just like people like us really. Yeah. I nerds mean, who grew up on video games yeah, and have a yeah. great affinity and attunement and intuition around video games. Yeah. And so yeah, they can just kind of jump into I mean, Scotty's way better than us, but he can jump into a new game and be good at it and be interesting and find interesting things about it mm -hmm. and just uh, yeah, he has he has a deep intuition with it, mm -hmm. and and because of that, he is going to do great mm -hmm. in the twenty first century. Like he's going to do great in this world that's increasingly being taken digital. Yeah, and and yeah. So if you have you know we've got where, where gamers spend their time a lot of their time, you're on Discord, mm -hmm. talking to your friends, maybe in a voice chat. You're on Twitch. Mm -hmm. watching streamers or maybe streaming yourself you're on steam or like whatever kind of gaming yeah, app origin you have. all kinds origin know. yeah and so you kind of got these and then maybe you're jumping back between your social media maybe you're on twitter on you know mm -hmm. connecting with gamers even more yeah, on there. yeah and so you got these digital spaces but what vr does is vr takes all of these separate digital spaces and it puts them into one place mm-hmm and it makes it to where you can place that on your head. <laughs> it still blows my mind. I've never yeah. even I haven't I have yet to try it. Really? Seriously. Like I have I'm like any VR? Any. I'm scared of it. Not I'm even at Disney World? Uh <laughs> no. The last time I went to Disney World 
it was more like 4D rides. They would call them 4D. And 4D. You, you'd be put in like little carts and the cart would just like move. Oh, and it'll just be a screen. And it'd be a screen and you'd That's get like lame. wind blown. Yeah, it was like the very <laughs> beginning of that concept though of like yeah. how can we import people into this like different world essentially. Like, yeah. No, yeah, I still have yet to try even like the cheap ones, you know, like the cheap VR like phone ones. Like Oh, yeah, like uh, I forgot it was Vive called. or something. No, wait, Vive is like a, I don't know. I don't know. Yeah. That's a. I'm. Uh, that was the old name of showing my age. one of the one of the VRs. Oh, the okay. Vive. Yeah, I think, no, I still have yet. I'm I'm scared of it. Yeah, I mean, I'm scared of loving it too much and not wanting to put it down, and mm-hmm. I get scared of new games for that reason. Like I was scared of Cyberpunk for that reason. Yeah. And I'm very. I'm trying hard to take it in waves and not just like completely veg out and become this character that i created (laughs) you know like mentally you know just like make this whole story up and like but it's a perfect game for that like Uh it's designed to be that yeah like it really just naturally games they they tap into our they tap into a part of our brain Mm -hmm. in a certain way and you okay so this was another thing i was thinking about uh like video games didn't have to exist like something about like if you think about the earliest possible video game um actually the earliest earliest one was like this on a radar on like a radar on a military computer like a type of like volleying back and forth so it was like Some, something like a pong but it was similar to pong yeah it was, it was pre-pong though and then pong was basically the first one of the first yeah yeah and pong is like you know, people would sit on Pong and they'd play it for hours. And people probably still do. Like, I mean, some some people probably still would on their phone. Yeah. And it's just this idea that, I don't know, like, we have this a sophisticated brain that's capable of comprehending our environment and making these complex decisions and just surviving and conquering new environments. Like, that's what we're, that's what we're made to do, but something about this pong game it just got right into our reward system it got right just squeezed right in between the flaps in our brain and yeah. just fit just kind of fit perfectly as something that's that's satisfying and rewarding and that's also intuitive we kind of feel you almost feel it when you're reflecting the ball and you get a sense you make of up your own technique almost like everyone probably has their own way of like I'm going to do this move. But it also is like a very primal. I think it's a very primal thing because at the end of the day, you're just trying to beat the person next to you. You're trying to be a victor. You're trying to be con. You're trying to conquer your opponent, which is like a very primal instinct in humanity, you know, but in like a very, uh, I just drew a blank (laughs) and a very, uh, just like technological. Yeah. Very, uh, civil way i mean nowadays it's not that civil because people are yelling over a headset yeah. but like it, it's still the same concept in majority not all games i mean some games are not that at all but i feel like pong was so such a hit because you were either trying to beat the computer or you were trying to beat 
your buddy or someone you didn't like or something. Mm-hmm. I don't know. Like, whatever the situation may be, I think that added to the addictive part of well, it, too. Yeah, there, there's the competition aspect. And so that social aspect was, was kind of already there from mm-hmm. the beginning in, in some ways. And just the arcade. Mm-hmm. Um, but it's also that it's a, it's a type of brain state that we're in. You know, if you imagine we're primates on the savanna or whatever, you're either in, you're in like one of two modes almost where you're in a more wide-eyed, like observing your environment, observing the the horizon type of open mind state where you're walking around, you're wandering around, you're kind of just sensing your environment. Mm -hmm. And then you're in another mindset where you're really focused, you're really like zeroing in on something. Maybe you're making a fire like rubbing two sticks together, something like that, or doing something complex, making a stone spear. Like you see that there's these tasks that are like you zoom in, you focus in on one one thing, you get a really sensitive feel of your of your fingers and of like the feedback that the world is giving you with your movements and how you're handling this object or, or this task that you have. Yeah. And so I, th- I think it really does tap into that in this type of way that our brain feels like, okay, I'm solving, I'm solving tasks. I'm in my regular flow of life where I'm, you know, I'm focusing intensely on something and then I'm, I don't know, getting up to go pee and <laughs> looking out the window, <laughs> yeah. you know, whatever gamers are doing, yeah. going to Taco Bell. And, and, you know, so yeah, like part that mindset, like I think, I think about that sometimes and I, I really feel that video games, yeah, it's tapping into that. Hmm. The reward system, like we are saying, the social system, and so we're just naming we're naming all of these primitive incentives, mm-hmm. natural incentives that are built into our brain, and how they're being encapsulated in digital worlds. Mm-hmm. And so, yeah, you know, video games they they didn't have to exist, but we're tapping into these natural incentives. We're kind of bringing them into the digital space, mm-hmm. all starting with Pong, and then now the culmination of that. Is, is where with VR and technologies that are kind of going to be used with VR, mm-hmm. haptic feedback technologies, basically. Yeah, we're bringing all this stuff together, uh, essentially. I would really love to exp- uh, explore the psychology behind VR chat. <laughs> Have you seen that game? VR chat? Yeah. No. Where you is like, it like... Uh, uh, you, can import, you can import any character you could be mike wazowski talking to like some anime character oh but it's your voice and you're walking around and looking around and like (laughs) you could literally be whoever whatever you know like i really want to know the psychology behind that because i one it makes for very funny internet videos because there's like (laughs) certain characters interacting with each other that you would never think about but even then it's like why is that so appealing? And I don't know. Yeah, the psychology behind VR is really cool. I well, and what's interesting too is people getting like vertigo from it. I wonder if we'll just yeah. evolve. You know, I wonder if like people will just like switch that off. They'll be sick to their stomach, but they're just like, I don't want to leave this place, and they just yeah. slowly over time evolve, like to where that doesn't exist and then they're just plugged in like yeah i mean there's a 
a lab, Dr. Andrew Huberman, who studies like different types of brain states, especially, especially around stress. They use VR in his lab. He talks about using VR like shark. Well, there's like uh, vertigo, not vertigo, uh, like fear of heights type mm-hmm. ones where you're walking along a ledge. Uh, Tyler was uh, telling me uh, Philip got oh. one and they've been playing that and that's the exact one they play all the time. Really? The it's like the balancing height. Yeah, the on balancing heights. one. Yeah. Yeah. And so, yeah. yeah, you can do that and you can feel the real kind of rush of that, of that fear of heights come about you. And they've got shark where you're in a shark cage for another one. But that was actually a real, that's like a real video, like a 360 video of like wow. real sharks. And you're just like kind of tapping into it yeah. with your with your headset and it feels like you're in the cage. Yeah. And yeah, they use these, they use, and they're not testing VR. The lab isn't experimenting VR. They're, they're trying, they're experimenting on stress brain states. So they're literally using technology just to make you go into what would, otherwise be a naturally occurring fear response mm. um and and so it's so it's pretty interesting it's kind of in the same vein N- another thing that i thought of talking about vr chat is uh well like there's a weekly i'm not sure if they're doing it right now but I, i've watched them there's been these weekly bitcoin vr meetups oh. called reckless vr meetups where you and you can watch it like on your phone mm-hmm. on Twitter they live stream it and you can like look around you're not in VR yourself and it'll be a room full of people and there'll be a speaker and like yeah. an interviewer yeah yeah and so they'll they do sit down with, they and, do that with stand up too okay there's like a game where you do stand up in front of other people as at, on v, in VR yeah that's cool <laughs> yeah that's a good idea so yeah so it's just like a live speech a live conference yeah. type of thing but you know it's cool in these bitcoiners What's interesting is that a lot of them are pseudonymous. Mm. So a lot of them are, their identities are hidden and they go through extreme lengths to keep their identity hidden. That's cool. And instead they go under just like a pseudonym. And so in the VR space, they have these social relationships. Like they'll go to the VR meetup and then afterwards go to the VR bar and talk with all their Bitcoiner friends. And even though they don't know who they are, Mm. who each other is, but they trust each other and they have a relationship yeah. Kind of like how you can build up, you can play a game with someone and you build up a relationship and a trust with them, even though you may only know their gamer tag, yeah. you don't know their real name. And so, yeah, you know, the, I think this highlights a unique, uh, well, first of all, that VR can fill um, a lot of our social desires mm-hmm. and to a, a pretty deep degree. Is that dangerous though? Yeah, I, I mean, I guess everything is dangerous without moderation, but I yeah. wonder if it'll ever, like, just lead to crazy but what's, amounts. what's the problems. case for moderation? Why should you moderate? Like, and, and here's, okay, here's the other aspect. We've kind of been talking about video games and, like, kind of degenerate things that are kind of concerning, yeah. but another aspect that I think about is work and productivity. Yeah. Like, some people will use this technology for the exact opposite as others. Yeah. While others are like sinking their time and throwing their life away, some are going to become hyper-productive. Yeah, true. Like I think about if I could create a, a VR coding environment with like four windows in front of me and like, you know, everything I need to search and 
I can have a great view. Yeah. And it's like, I don't even need to be a remote worker or I don't know any of those things that people dream about. Like I could chill in my VR space and just like code all day and listen to music and like, you know, t- roll my chair around and then respond <laughs> yeah. to a discord message. Yeah. And you know, so people are going to make spaces like that. Companies are going to be created with fully distributed staff that all where the whole company building exists as just a user interface mm-hmm. in a VR space. Um, I think I'm just more of a nature boy. Like I'm more of like my mind is uh-huh. craves that like interaction of just like taking the real world in as it, yeah. as it like is coming at me. And if I were to be in like a virtual world of it, I would probably be depressed. Like mm-hmm. if I'm honestly thinking about it, you know, like, and that's just like the difference I think between my brain and other people's brains and like other people feel the same way I do too. But that, I guess that's why my brain it immediately goes to like, Oh no, that might be bad. Like, yeah, no, I mean, same. Like I don't want to live my life in a yeah, VR space. True, true. Like, but I can see what you're saying that it like, there are ways to work within VR that like, should probably be explored more mm-hmm. like and i'm sure that it will be will work and play and get help and get mm-hmm. therapy and you know like therapy lots of good cool. things yeah can can happen and are going to be enabled by these just more usable virtual spaces but yeah it's gonna come with the major trade-offs because then you're not like physically with those people though so it's like what happens when you take what kind of emotions are you going to feel when you take those goggles off, you know? And then you're like looking around and you're just like alone. Yeah. And then you're like in a dump apartment. Yeah. And and people already, already do this. Yeah. Like there's early adopters of this lifestyle. Yeah. And I I, I used to work part of it. Like, well, I know. I mean, like you, you maybe have had like degenerate gaming days, but in a small way, like I used to work at this lady uh, at Panera where she would she played wow yeah and she would come she worked like three to close every night and so worked like three to ten or something and she would get home at 10 and basically like play wow like all night and then sleep during the day and then show back up to work and and that was just like her entire life she Mm -hmm. would do that and when she had her two days off she would go on a full two-day bender yeah. and order food in. Yeah. And like that was her life. She would she would play WoW and then she would work so that she had money so that she could live so that she could play WoW. Yeah. yeah. And so that's the lifestyle that's going to be increasingly adopted where it's like you do the minimum amount mm-hmm. needed so that you can spend the maximum amount of time in this virtual world because that's where you get the most reward. And I, I just, I can't even imagine the dynamics that are going to be at play. You know, are companies going to take advantage of this? Are oh, they going to yeah. sell you package deals to where, you know, you can live in the pod oh, and spend yeah, all dude. day in the virtual? Dude, they already do. <laughs> like like you yeah, said, there's I already mean, early adopters of the lifestyle. There's already early adopters of, like, the encouragement of, like, like Destiny 2 does that for sure. For sure does that. Yeah. Like, there's always something new to do in that game that requires a, ma- a lot of time. And a lot of community time too. Like you have to do with other people as well yeah. to get like the cool drops or like this weapon or that piece of armor or like, 
you have to spend time. You don't have to, but if you really want to progress in the game, you have to spend time. And there's like, yeah. It's and see, that's always when it comes to MMOs. Mm-hmm. That's always the current. That's the real <laughs> yeah. currency is yeah. time. And like people say grinding like, oh, well, there's grinding or you just have to grind this. And what that means is you just have to spend time doing something monotonous in this virtual world Mm -hmm. in order to progress this next level. Well, that's exactly how the real world works. (laughs) Yeah. It's like you want want to get good at at this, spend time. You have to spend time practicing your dribble. It's monotonous, you know, but you'll you'll level up and you'll get better doing it. And Mm -hmm. now, of course, video games, they just have the perfect pace Mm -hmm. of the grind and the perfect feedback and all of that. And the world isn't always like that, but... I mean, it's it's interesting, and they want time, and time is the most scarce. It's the most scarce asset in the world. It's the most important asset, too. Yeah, yeah. and that's why they're able to monetize it so well, because mm-hmm. that's what they're doing. They're monetizing your time. I mean, yeah. I know I downloaded Destiny 2 for free. Yeah. I didn't pay for it. Yeah, yeah. I, I played free. it for free for, like, months, and then I finally bought it. Yeah. Because I thought it was worth it, but I didn't buy it for a long time and they still can hook you it's free and that's like part of it where they're like what's well, free so like what do you got to lose and then you're losing time yeah. <laughs> playing it but that's also why i've been for years just been a uh fan of like flick shooters like fps games mm-hmm. i mean call of duty is kind of a bad example but like games similar to that because it does feel like a game you can kind of just if you want to get really good you can pick it up and play for ever or you can just pick it up play a couple games with friends put it down same with sports games i've never been a big fan of sports games but i imagine you know those type of games you can just pick them up play them competitive you know get your fix of like beating someone or losing someone but and then if you want to be a master you spend time perfecting muscle memory and like hand-eye coordination and all that but like I think that's why I've always been a bigger fan of more competitive FPS games because I didn't feel like I had to grind really mm-hmm. hard for something, you know, which some people yeah. get more. I mean, most people get more of a reward sense of reward. I mean, that's why it exists like grinding, but I, for some reason, sometimes don't. But yeah. Yeah, it's different different personalities. They get different things. And I think with the competitive games, that really gets at, like, men mm-hmm. and, like, our natural competitive tendencies and desire for that fix and that, that high. Yeah. Uh, you know, but nonetheless, I mean, there's something for everyone, meaning that there's, like, a, a primal inclination that everyone will find hooked in, in some virtual world. Yeah. Uh, but yeah, you, you kind of mentioned it before. It's uh, Cyberpunk. Mm-hmm. That, that was something I kind of want to talk about. Have yeah. You, have you played much of that game? I still haven't progressed a lot into it. Mm-hmm. Mostly what I have been doing is just exploring the world and stealing vehicles and yeah. <laughs> doing everything I can't do in the real world or that I would get in trouble for in the real world. Yeah. Uh, but I haven't... I haven't really been playing the story a lot. Mm-hmm. I'm trying to really get the uh, 
<laughs> she's the cat's not gonna be picked up on the mic, but she's oh. very active right now. Yeah. <laughs> hey, don't go in there. Or she can go oh, in there. Well, yeah. That's fine. Um but uh no, I haven't I haven't completed it yet. Okay. Yeah, obviously it's a it's a cluster. Mm-hmm. I mean like I mean, yeah, and there's still bugs going on with it yeah. too. Like the last I checked there's still some bugs. And I'm I feel bad for all the console people. I mean, I got a refund, so really, okay. yeah, they refunded everyone on the PlayStation Store. Wow, it. it's crazy. do you still have it? No. Oh, okay. So and I got my sixty bucks back. So word, that's good. That's that's insane, though. Has that ever happened? It's never happened. That's never happened in a video. It, it was game unplayable world? on console. <laughs> it was it was like it would drop to thirteen frames a second. Some parts, like the first driving shooting scene you do, like you can't aim. Can just it's imagine. so choppy. Yeah. I, lo- I love that shit though I love when games break <laughs> and they just like I love it because it makes for the best it just I don't know it, it goes back to then like people's brains are like this isn't supposed to be happening like, yeah this isn't supposed to be <laughs> there's happening there's this cognitive <laughs> like, who's supposed to be real who's supposed yeah, to seem yeah. real it's not like that if it's going that slow <laughs> and no yeah I mean that's that's the frustration but the it's only just, things that it's I've funny s- how much they 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 fucked it up. Yeah, the only thing I've seen an abundance of is T poses. People just being like, characters will just be talking and then they'll suddenly just be like, <laughs> just getting a cross pose. Yeah. Whoa. Yeah, their arms will shoot up and they'll like, they'll do that. They won't walk. They'll just like float away. Float away, or they'll like say something and they'll be walking, but they'll be like going back like moonwalking essentially <laughs> just like really like skyrim-esque bugs. yeah very very skyrim like buggy yeah i mean it's it's so cyberpunk kind of taps into this this other idea that around video games and virtual worlds that i want to talk about but like it's interesting like cyberpunk is the newest version of of this mm-hmm. type of game where you know, a company spends multiple years trying to build this really deep, elaborate world with a big story and all that. And, you know, before, like you mentioned Skyrim, like mm-hmm. Skyrim is one. The Witcher 3 is one that I really like. Yeah. With just these huge, very realistic worlds. You've got people with populations, with people doing things, their own stories and, and quests and economies and all this stuff. And this is kind of like, um, okay, well, Cyberpunk, they, they, they messed it up. Mm-hmm. They they rushed it in certain parts. They cut out a bunch of content. It was just, it was a disaster. Mm-hmm. And it's kind of this classic story with, with a lot of game companies where um, upper management was just not in good communication with the developers mm. and in good coordination with what was realistic and what needed to be done and all of that too busy trying to get keanu reeves yeah no like really they were marketing which, it which that's and an pro- in- making promises yeah that's an interesting fact in the or an interesting like a popular thing that's becoming the norm i see in these big games is that it's like what what hollywood actor can you get to be in your game now yeah like the death stranding is a game that had like oh yeah i i don't know his name but he's like from from like walking dead yeah yeah and like other people i can't i should have looked up lists freaking jack bauer yeah (laughs) whatever in call of duty probably yeah Yeah. 
Um, yeah, I mean, yeah, doing stuff like that too. I'm sure that their head marketing team was more stoked on, holy shit, we got Keanu Reeves to be in this game. Like, yeah. Instead of, well, does that's it what work? they're focusing on. Yeah. Yeah. That and, and the aesthetics and the look. Yeah. A lot. And I, I, all, all it made me want to, I didn't mean to cut you off, but all, yeah, all, all it made me want to do is play the actual tabletop game cyberpunk yeah like that's really based off of it made me want it and that's kind of why i'm exploring the world i'm playing it like i would be playing the tabletop like i'm just kind of like talking to npcs looking at side quests you know like world exploring making up my own kind of story in my head you know yeah uh it really just made me want to which that's a whole topic we could talk about in the future too tabletop games but totally because i'm sure that we could make a lot of um i don't know i actually <laughs> similarities but also not similarities yeah and I, I have a i do have a weird thing that i'm actually experiment i'm trying in my life right now that has to do with tabletop rpgs really? which we could talk about yeah cool yeah we'll do that in the future um sure. yeah it's it's interesting but i mean it's cool what you're saying like you want to and this is what i want like i have a mixed relationship with video games where obviously i'm talking about all these ideas and i have this kind of fear and respect Mm -hmm. for for what it is and for how my time can kind of get lost in it Mm -hmm. and like i want to have a relationship where it's something that enriches my life and makes me more creative and more energetic or can act as a positive you know it's been hard to be social this year it's been hard to be around my friends yeah and you know we've even done this podcast over zoom and that's a virtual space yeah and so like it i want to use these things to their advantages and get enjoyment out of them hopefully without the downsides and like i I don't know like we'll see how that goes with time but yeah you know like i'm i'm generally getting more and more guarded with my time Mm -hmm. um but um, kind of jumping back to, to cyberpunk or just that type of game, type of elaborate game world. Uh, I might have talked about this before, I don't remember, but it kind of harkens back to this idea of this idea that exists kind of in, in, in coding or in open source code. There's a book called The Cathedral and the Bazaar, which is a, uh, it's kind of this example of open source versus closed source code. And all that that means is just code or programs or digital tools, software mm-hmm. that has been made in a collaborative effort and is free and is posted online for anyone to use and reuse or something that's made by a company like Windows Operating System. is closed source. You can't go look up that code online. Mm. Um, and so, you know, it was this kind of, there's this split in, in computing and software where kind of more and more people were making open source stuff compared to being in companies making closed source software. And there's this movement where, and you know, out of that came Linux, which came Android. Like so much is based off of Linux. People have no idea Hmm. how much of our modern computing. I don't know. I have zero. Yeah. And that, that came from the free open software world. And because that open free software exists, creators or entrepreneurs or or whatever were able to come around and instead of having to develop a bunch of software on their own and then build their product they were able to take software that was open source 
put it together in a unique way, build a new service or product or whatever. Mm-hmm. And so, but, but anyway, so the idea was that you've got a company like Microsoft building Windows and Windows is like this cathedral. It's this very specifically designed, you know, perfectly designed by architects and artists. Um, with, and it brings together all of these different expertises, all of these, you know, you've got the masonry and the, and the stained glass and, the, and it, just everything that comes together to build a cathedral. Mm-hmm. And so that's what it's like making windows. Got this huge, enormous project with, it'll take a long time and tons of hours and tons of different expertise. And it's kind of this hierarchical top-down plan. Mm-hmm. And then open source is like the bazaar. It's fully bottom-up. It's like everyone's kind of acting out of their own incentives mm-hmm. of what they want to do. And from the ground up, from each of their actions, the cumulative total of it creates this elaborate bazaar, this this new this new space. Um, and in the world of video games, almost everything we see in it is cathedrals. Mm. We've only seen cathedrals, and Cyberpunk is the newest cathedral is just a, is a disaster, really. <laughs> yeah. They didn't do a very good job. They didn't respect... It was rushed. Yeah, it was rushed. Yeah. And now you got a bunk-ass looking cathedral for 60 bucks that this company spent seven years on. Yeah, yeah just imagine becoming a poster child for what not to do in that type of game. That would suck. That would just suck yeah. to spend that much time and money and resources and marketing and... And it's the developers of, that get, like, the most junior developers yeah, sh- that get screwed because yeah, they, they get hired on. And, like, people are just, like, won't shut, like, won't shut up about how bad of a game it is, like us. With, yeah. Which, like, and I mean, it's true, but We're, it's we're not like, being that harsh. No, yeah, but, I mean, people. like, yeah, developers get the flack, and it's like, well, it's not their fault. Like, yeah. Not their fault at, fault at all. Like, those people are wizards. Those people are, like, shaping, like, kids future of like entertainment and like i can't imagine being a kid right now with all the games that are coming out and like yeah because i remember when we were kids you know it was like i got a nintendo 64 for christmas like i got star fox and that blew my mind i was like yeah fuck you could fly in a spaceship (laughs) yeah and it wasn't even it was like linear levels yeah like it literally was not anything like compared to what it is now yeah and even then, yeah, hours. You get glued days. for hours. Mm-hmm. Dig Dug even was like my shit. Like Dude, just Dig Dug is awesome. Galaga, like <laughs> any of those games, you know, like. And then you, I don't know. Then what? You're like, nowadays you're 11 and playing Minecraft. Like you can literally just build a world. Yeah. You can become an art like. You could become an architect inside of an engine, like. Well, yeah, and, and Minecraft was actually just what I was going to mention. Minecraft is bizarre, you know. Uh, like okay. every, almost every game, you think about what game is a platform mm-hmm. rather than a product, rather or than like a sandbox. Like yeah, well, yeah, something that other people come along and build stuff on top of it. Something that gets better as more people use it. Yeah. Something that has built-in network effects, basically. And Minecraft is that. Minecraft started as an alpha demo of just blocks yep. being generated at random with a random seed. And then made by one guy. 
And then he open sourced it and released it and built community and worked with people and people built it out into a game and that game built out into more games and just, and now it's the biggest, yeah, it's a franchise. It's a whole platform. People build games on top of it. Like they create games inside of it. They use it to create little movies and there's whole YouTube series of people acting out movies in Minecraft and like, or they just build like art, like, structures like just yeah, like huge like new york like oh, and check I, I think i might have mentioned this before but there's an there's a library of the alexandria server in minecraft that's being used to i mean store the world's information but like it's also it's being used like in a in almost a humanitarian way to like to show and protect and store information that's considered illegal in some countries wow that's um, cool. and, and so yeah, it's this, you imagine the server. You're maybe you're running the the library of Alexandria server, and you've got a copy of all of this knowledge mm-hmm. that people stored in Minecraft. Yeah, that's of, of all things. Yeah, like what would happen if humanity, like, a ninety eight percent of humanity is wiped out, and that knowledge goes away, and then suddenly you stumble upon old you're like wow i remember the old days yeah and then you boot up minecraft and you just like <laughs> happen to get in that server and then you find all this hidden human knowledge in a minecraft server yeah <laughs> like, i mean that could you <laughs> if somehow yeah you could just you had the hard drives stored away mm-hmm. and we wiped ourselves out and you know lost our memory yeah as a species you know you could save the next the next humans that have to come along and rebuild, you could save them a thousand years yeah, yeah. <laughs> just by and just then, by giving them that Minecraft server. And then you're this dude with blue pants and a turquoise shirt, <laughs> and you're like, you got a pickaxe, and you're just like, dude, yeah, that's crazy. No, it's I cool mean, that you can make like actual machines and engines in that game too. Yeah, like you can make created, a computer. Yeah, they've created like pistons and like all kinds of like yeah moving parts that make other things flow and exist and thrive mm-hmm. and yeah I, I i wonder if there's gonna be the more i'm sure there is the more technology advances like a different version of minecraft but of more what cyberpunk was supposed to be like yeah graphics wise like i wonder if a hundred years from now minecraft whatever it is in the future will be it'll just look like me and you yeah and it but you can like do exactly what you do in minecraft no and that's your once again you're getting right to where where i was getting which is that like minecraft is this early iteration of a bazaar of a open source platform mm-hmm. video game and i think that uh, it, it seems that technology works this way that it seems inevitable that someone is going to create and own the monopoly on virtual game worlds mm. that someone's going to make the facebook of yeah. game platforms at which all of which your shooters your racers your platformers your social your porn where everything yeah. might be built into that one single platform and that it, it maybe it would be open source I, I would hope i think that would be better but maybe some company is behind it or controls it and it just grows and grows in value as more people use it and as more people contribute to it yeah. And that I think something like that could be a behemoth of just a vampire for people's time. Yeah. Um, and I would sink time into it. 
yeah, and you know, it'll be what's scary about it too is that it will be profitable. Mm-hmm. If it really does become the Facebook, it does become a network, basically, a monopoly. It will be valuable and and almost maybe necessary to use it, to participate in it. Yeah. And and that's where we like that's when you have an incentive like that where the new Facebook exists and it's in VR, like all of the rewards are just they start being in your VR headset. They start being in your computer. Mm-hmm. All of the things to do, all of the things you desire, all of the things you envision in your future, they're just increasingly being brought into these digital spaces. And that's what I'm kind of like on the lookout for is is what that will be. And some people think, <laughs> some people will laugh at me if they, if they know about it and they hear I'm saying this, but some people think something like Star Citizen mm-hmm. will be this, where Star Citizen is kind of like a big behemoth sci-fi massively multiplayer online game eve online or something like that kind of like that yeah um and it's but it's incredible graphics and first person and and it was it was bootstrapped kind of as an open source type of type of effort it's basically a game that like for those who don't know it's a game that you essentially can do pretty much you can trade you can can you like trade you have well it's it's it's, right now it's a tech demo Oh, okay. I mean, like it's in a such an early release where you can kind of go around in some of the locations and do mm. side missions, and there's only 50 players per server. Okay. But it, so it's still it's not there by any means. But you know they're building it as the super slick, giant MMO that's also an open source platform. Mm. And so that's something that so I it's look be, at. Yeah, a giant and I'm like, that's gonna take over these other MMO games in the future it's what I it think looks so. like is what it looks like it could be this or just something with this kind of model mm-hmm. it can just as soon as a million people start playing it and then ten thousand of those million people are developers and they start iterating and coming up with ideas and adding more content and adding more campaigns and yeah it'll be mind-boggling and you mentioned something else i wanted to talk about eve online mm-hmm. i think that's an example of that doesn't have the graphics of Star Citizen, but I think that's been that's a supreme example of what type of virtual worlds we could be interacting with in the future. Yeah, because people make money off of that game, don't they? Like they yeah. just like I don't know too much about it. I just know that it's huge. A lot of people play it. It's essentially a second life to the majority of people. Like most video yeah. games are a second life, but like it's definitely like. Mm-hmm. If you're gonna have a, if you want a second life that feels realistic, play something like Eve Online. Yeah, it's it's a second life that exists in menus mm-hmm. and yeah. in deep space. Like you don't have a character that walk walks around in that game. You're either controlling okay. a singular ship or a group of ships, or you're in menus on a uh, space station okay. or something like that. But now, now the the game is enormous. The game is is sprawling, and how it works is it's a player-led, player-driven open space economy. Um, players create, like the game, the game doesn't have a ton of structure for you. Like the game world, as it started out, it was a huge, empty galaxy with space stations, with NPCs, and kind of a general backstory. 
and they had gates, star gates that you would jump to and from. Yeah. And then you could, you know, if you're if you're a player playing the game, like I, I played free trials and stuff when I was younger, and I've been curious about it just as like someone who's interested in digital economies yeah. since. But, you know, if you're just playing the game, you start out, you have a little junker ship, mm-hmm. you're taking missions at space stations and kind of you're getting specific weapons and specific mining and you mine resources and sell it. And it's kind of like, okay, this is this is a cool little game. I'm going to upgrade my ship and all of that. And then you get to a point where, you know, you can watch, like you can go on YouTube and watch people's diaries of, of playing Eve wow. and doing some of these battles where they they will be in control of you know multiple fleets of ships a part of a player corporation going out and doing missions and the, the currency in the game is pegged not pegged like loosely pegged to the dollar mm-hmm. so like you can buy and sell it with real money and one of the standout events in the game history that got all the news that anyone might have heard of is is these wars, these huge battles that ended up happening, like in, I don't remember what year, but th- there was this one called the Fountain War. You can watch a bunch of YouTube videos on it, where basically two of the biggest corporations in the game, like player run organizations in the game, one of them just had an incentive and an advantage to attack one in this certain spot to turn it, take over these few solar Dang. systems because they have resources or whatever. So it wasn't really a part of the game per se no it was purely player driven it was player one player and their super corporation with a thousand plus members Mm -hmm. all deciding to attack another player run organization so they had to bring it up probably like as a council and be like do we want do we really want to do this do we want to go i'm bringing this idea forward like is everyone in agreement Mm -hmm. maybe some people weren't maybe some people were and then that's 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 cool and, and they had to create a battle plan and, and organization and all of this stuff and basically and you can watch diaries of this like there's people that live streamed it and then went back over and gave commentary wow. and i watched one and you can hardly understand what he's saying right he's just yeah. talking about the subtleties like yeah when we jump in here they've got these things which block the jump gates for our you know <laughs> yeah. for these types of cruisers so we have to take them out with these types of bombs and the tricky yeah. thing with that is that and you know, it's just these individual player captains that leading these fleets that all have different plans, and it culminates in this battle in this one single solar system in the game, where there's 3,200 players or something like that, all on this server, battling it out with tens of thousands of ships. Holy shit! For 20 plus hours, and <laughs> what ends up <laughs> happening at the end of it, over $300,000 of value was just destroyed. Meaning wow. that if you had tr- if you had sold like all the ships that had destroyed for U.S. dollars, you would have gotten three hundred thousand dollars for <laughs> all. Just, for, it just so, burned all of it. <laughs> yeah, and so they just came together and like the game like there's the biggest ship you can have is called a Titan, mm-hmm. and a Titan itself can be a, a jump gate or whatever, mm-hmm. and only like sixteen Titans had ever been destroyed in the whole history of the game up until that point. And then in that one battle, there was like 20. That, so it was like all of these records were broken. Yeah. And there's just this huge war that came out. And, Dude, and you that, know, that's happened again throughout the history where these wars just break out and a ton of value is destroyed. And it's all player driven. And they're all like they're kind of role playing in a sense, but they're also 
watching over their digital assets yeah. and they're thinking they're making strategic economic decisions how do i increase my asset holdings how do i protect myself from risk they think about their social and diplomatic relationships within the game if they're at risk if they can climb the hierarchy yeah and the complexity and just the effort that it takes to play this goddamn game you know you're living a whole other life well yeah it's so realistic it's stressful <laughs> i'm sure that's what real war is like i mean that's why, like, I try to avoid the whole, you know, budget debates and all that. Like, I don't fucking know what they're going to be, what they need and what they don't need to be spending on involving, like, war stuff, you know? Like, there's so much that goes into it that that game, I'm sure, highlights, you know, realistic elements in actual real war. And that kind of brings... Well, yeah, there's just, like, these patterns that will happen at a low level. Yeah. Even and play and even in a virtual world, but might then occur yeah in in real ways because it's just it's really those basic incentives of people of fear and of greed yeah of people trying to protect what they have and either they do that as a group trying to defeat another group or they do as an individual betraying their own group or you know it's just what happens yeah when you have skin in the game and you're trying to protect it yeah and that's that's war basically that's and yeah, and so Eve Eve is a game where all this bullshit is happening all the time and you know, it's a like I was talking to a friend recently asking him about Eve and he just laughed. He was like he's like if I wanted to spend all day in spreadsheets and like doing like risk reward calculations like I'm just going to go be a full-time trader yeah. or like just go spend all my time in the markets, the real markets. Yeah. And it's like, yeah, that kind of makes sense. Like that's basically what you're doing mm-hmm. when you play a game like that. You're going to be a portfolio manager for digital spaceships, (laughs) digital virtual spaceship assets, (laughs) and that's what these people are that play this game, and they they make livings doing it. (laughs) That 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 brings me to a thought I had one time. What if war was replaced with wars like that? What if in the future all of humanity decided they're like, you know what? It is wrong to kill each other in mass amounts. Like, what if we just designed a game that felt real and it was a simulated war, grand scale, whoever was the victor gets a certain amount of whatever they're wanting. (laughs) That's how they solve uh, (laughs) world issues. That's some kind of sci-fi. Is that a sci-fi concept? Like, concept, like... I'm thinking like not Hunger Games, but mm-hmm. or just that basically like the competing nations would instead of I think Maze Runner maybe is this okay. or like instead of like fighting real wars, they agree upon some competition at which to solve their conflicts. Okay. No, and no, I I think that's an intriguing idea. It would be really cool to have a VR like Ultimate VR, you know, like you're on a treadmill VR, <laughs> and then you're just. Yeah. Dude, like thinking about it just like 10,000 against 10,000 and that's kind of what it would be that's like where my brain goes to you know when I'm thinking of like a VR war like a well, either way those are going to exist for fun yeah 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 exactly it, it would just be so funny I think to see that that world issues being solved with uh, yeah video games I, I yeah I think <laughs> one idea that's that kind of goes along with this that I've I've considered 
<laughs> so follow me here. If 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 we end up in a hyper Bitcoinized world, or basically if Bitcoin or something like Bitcoin became the global reserve currency, um, so like right now, gold is the global reserve currency, mm-hmm. or or no, as well, the dollar is. That's what they tell you. The dollar used to be pegged to gold, but if you look at what real money is. Real money is what nations and governments trade mm. between each other. And what do they trade? It's gold. Wow. And so Bitcoin, like the goal of Bitcoin, it, there's only ever one real, true, hard, scarce money that mm. kind of exists in the world that everyone agrees on. And so Bitcoin's vying for that spot. you know. And so basically if Bitcoin gets that spot, each Bitcoin will be worth ten greater than 10 million and... And we'll have an absolute scarce unit of val- of value to kind of peg everything in the world. Mm-hmm. Okay, so in that situation, or something or something like that, you think about war and the incentive to go to the war. Even though people go to war for conflicts and then protect themselves and to, and all those things that we talk about, but a lot of it is economics. A lot of it is about reward, risk, and reward, and. In perfect example, in World War II, we fight this huge war. Uh, when we defeat Germany, we go and we take all their gold. We march into their city. We go to their vault. They go to their central bank, and we take their gold. That's what you know. That's what we did. Like we beat you. <laughs> yeah. You're ours now. Now give us your gold. Yeah. And at the end of World War II, we had the uh, uh, what is it called? Bretton Woods convention where basically we decided like okay the the dollar will become the global reserve currency wow and so you have this world where like we won the big war we took all the gold and now we get to have the king currency that everyone else has to borrow into and pay back into and we control it and we can print it that's scary man it's a good situation it's good but now it's scary (laughs) right now it's scary to think about that (laughs) yeah and but no of course in a bitcoin world what happens is there's no more reward. There's no more bank to go into to take their gold. Mm. There's also no single entity or country that can control Bitcoin as a network. Like they can hold Bitcoins. And if the world agrees on that as the, as the central store of value, then those Bitcoins will be valuable. Mm-hmm. So all they can do is buy. All you can yeah. really do is buy and hold your stake in that world. And so you can imagine the incentives for direct invasion and attack are almost zero. Yeah. The incentive for information war as it is, is just growing and growing and more and more of the conflicts are being brought into the digital realm, the information realm. Hmm. And yeah, and so it, I, I, you really could imagine to solve conflicts that we would agree on competition or wagers or just... Yeah, where you could place Bitcoin, you could place your scare, uh, opt in and place your scarce currency on the line and kind of like let let it play out, I guess. So you could you could imagine something like that happening, but like either way, in that world, you know, if you invade a country and you defeat them and you try and take their Bitcoin, they might have their Bitcoin in a digital vault with a hundred signatures. 
where those hundred signatures are distributed across the globe and they're hidden in images and hidden in buried hard drives wow. yeah. and encrypted into all sorts of and you know you just like it's not possible yeah to do it and what's crazy is that any individual will have that defensive power and so yeah and and i guess just that aspect of money to money being brought into the digital world if you've got the platform, if you've got the star citizen that exists, the, you know, that, that will blur the lines even more. Your currency that you use to pay your rent, you'll carry it into your virtual war, your virtual, yep. you know, territory and trade it with your friends and get virtual armor for it and all of this stuff. And, you know, so, I mean, we're kind of, we're kind of just talking about a bunch of disparate science fiction ideas but i think a lot of these are really tapping into the dynamics at play for how technology is progressing yeah. the incentives within us that we talked about of why it's it's beneficial to interact with these worlds and it's an ancient incentive it's yeah. just a different uh avenue a different like way to approach it yeah that's that's the most interesting thing for me it's just how everything involved with video games is very primal but it feels futuristic because mm -hmm. it has that skin of you're using a computer but it's like everything that you're getting from it is primal yeah it's cool yeah i mean we're 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 in a weird time like we're here we are and we're starting this thing not that we have any expectations mm -hmm. this podcast we're just trying to like have fun and talk yeah. about cool ideas but you know like we are more and more of our skills and effort and time and projects are being melded into the digital world yeah ourselves and so like i don't know i don't know what these spaces are going to be like and i don't know how much they're going to integrate into our world but i guess like my hope and my focus is going to be like i was saying earlier like protect my time mm -hmm. to make to get the benefits out of this and to watch where i'm being taken advantage of mm -hmm. and you know like you can't fight against technology you can't be a luddite but you also don't want to be swept away by it so it's like yep. being pragmatic and aware that these things are happening and that they're dangerous but also how do I take advantage of it? Mm -hmm. And so maybe that, that's where I am. Maybe that'd be a cool future episode to t discuss, in our opinions, what do we think would happen if technology suddenly ceased? As in, like, what if in the event of something like an EMP or mass hacking or, like, to the point where the grid was just gone? What what would with with the things that we do now with technology and games? What would how would we act afterwards? But that that opens up a whole like I'm yeah. sure at least forty five minutes of <laughs> discussion <laughs> about yeah. that. I've thought about that though too. It's it's interesting what what society would look like without it after we've had it so far. Yeah, that's like. <laughs> That's like a comedy right there or something. <laughs> yeah. yeah. <laughs> or like a sitcom, like life, like where, you, where you're sent back in the cave. Dude, but you yeah. were, like you were spending every day on Discord eating Doritos yeah. and drinking Mountain Dew, but now you're in the cave surviving. Yeah. Yeah. Or in like just tents or something, <laughs> yeah. like having tent cities everywhere. Like 
Yeah, I mean, that's... I think there would be more murder and more babies. (laughs) Yeah. (laughs) Like, there would be more conflict and more, I don't know, physical stuff going on, I guess. But... Yeah. I mean, I'm... I thought... I thought... (laughs) For a minute in 2020, I thought we were about to be in a situation like that. Not that the power grid was going to go down, but I was afraid that some other essential parts of the supply chain were going to break down. And when you have that happen in a city, especially if it's food, on Monday, everything's normal. Mm-hmm. And by Tuesday night or by Wednesday morning, there's groups of people raiding houses. Yeah. Like you go from, you go from normal to post-apocalyptic RPG yeah. in yeah. like two days. Yeah. If you're in the middle of a city yeah. and the supply chain breaks down. Yeah. And... Luckily, that didn't happen. I hope that doesn't happen. But back to be, things being fragile, our our supply chains are fragile. Like Yo. our power grid, just is pretty, pretty fragile. I mean, fucking here in Oklahoma, you <sighs> yeah. get a little bit of wind and the power's out for like three days. <laughs> yeah, it's gone out so many times lately. Yeah, and which is kind of weird. I've, it's not as weird as I think it is, but my brain immediately is like, hmm. Yeah. Strange. Okay, well, this is giving me another idea of, of uh, we need to talk about prep, prepper and prepping. Could and that fall into conspiracy also? <laughs> Should we maybe just tackle both? Or I mean, we, I think we've, t- I, don't, I don't remember what conspiracy we talked about. We talked about some, but yeah, I mean, we could do that. Like, I have a lot of, I'm not, I wouldn't say I'm a prepper. Mm-hmm. Well, there's different But I'm a prepper pre- and prep. There's a different type of prepper. <laughs> Like, there's all yeah. kinds of different types. I, I would say you're probably a financial prepper, which a and lot of digital, people should be. Or digital, I, digitally, financially a prepper. Yeah. like I'll, I'm prepared for I'm prepared for it. Let's just say I'm, I have, I have compu- things with computers and mm-hmm. things with my digital life and digital identity and privacy and the internet. Like, I have things set up in case of emergency. Yeah. And almost no one does that. And so, like, yeah. that's one aspect that I have thought about. But also, I, I think about it a lot in the physical realm. I just, I'm not doing anything yet. Yeah. But, yeah, I mean, yeah, as you talk about these, the fragility in the system, you realize, and these, this is just the prepper kind of theory, the prepper case for mm-hmm. why you should be a prepper, is look around, look at the fragility. How many thing, how many separate individual things are breakable and if they broke uh, within 48 hours within three days you would be in direct physical danger yeah if you were not prepared yeah so i like thinking about those situations for some reason that's fun yeah it's strategic yeah but i mean nonetheless we're we're here uh world seems to be holding itself together for the time being it's 2021 now yeah that we're recording this <laughs> yeah uh it is the second day of 2021 yeah yep feels like a week's gone by for me yeah but yeah cool so i'm I'm trying to think if we touched on a lot yeah there's we didn't talk at all about brain machine interfaces 
or haptic feedback, which I, I want to talk about, but we'll, uh, I'm sure we that will be sprinkled in across. Oh yeah. We could talk about it again too. We could yeah. always have two parters about the same subject if we want, you know? Yeah. Like maybe in this next week we can decide if we want to do two part of, of it. Cause I'm interested in that. Uh, that's not something I really have a lot of knowledge on. So maybe we could yeah. do an episode of bringing two things, you know, one thing that you know, one thing I know, talk about it type of thing. Yeah. For the next one. Okay. Or something. Yeah, let's do it. Um, uh, yeah, so if y'all listen up to this point, thank you. Yeah, appreciate it. Thanks for watching. You um, got feedback, hit us up on Twitter mm-hmm. or wherever. Can you can you leave comments or leave? I guess yeah. there's, no, there's no interface with us except for the Twitter. Yeah. Because uh, we'll have we'll, the podcast website, but yeah, and on the podcast app you can leave reviews oh, and all yeah. that, and so and we'll 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 put up an email as well, like if people yeah. want to email suggestions or topics even that like maybe we don't know about, I don't know, just mm-hmm. anything like that. We're gonna get more involved in being in touch with anyone listening. So for sure, yeah. So thanks yeah. for listening, y'all. See y'all. Yeah.